Hello and welcome to week three in season one of the All That Talk podcast. I'm Adam Jackman alongside my friend Matt Hassan, Lewis Blakeman, and Chris Spina. Today on this Friday, May 1st, 1st of May, guys. So uh, we've been like more than a month in quarantine uh, so far. So we made it. We made it to May. We made it to level five of Jumanji. Good job for all of you guys. Um, But... We're going we're gonna to get things started off the bat here with the standings check. So just to give you a brief recap, uh, standings are based on our results in the quiz. Today our quiz is the baseball quiz. Uh, Matt's got baseball jersey on. Lou's got the baseball. I got the baesball jersey on. Um, Sir, uh, Spine's got the Syracuse on. Yes, sir. <laughs> uh, so it's based on the quiz and the unpopular opinions um, that we give rankings to. So right now I'm in the lead, 31.5 points. Uh, Chris in second place tied with Lou with 24 and Hassan at 22 but a lot can change today because I can't participate in the quiz because I'm giving it and all these guys are going to get a chance to catch up so uh, first off the bat we're going to go into our news of the week Lou take us in Yeah, so this has become a little bit of a trademark segment Uh, we like to start each show with Uh, news of the week that we thought was interesting in the sports world, and then each of us will react to it. So let's start with Chris. Well, the NHL draft is now going online. They're following in the NFL's footsteps there. And while the time and the date of the draft is still unknown, um, it's definitely something to look forward to as we all were looking forward to the NFL draft for the NHL draft to come along and do a virtual draft as well. Uh, while it's upsetting for a bunch who would want to see their guys be their lives, to see their guys get drafted to their teams. But it's still something for all us sports fans to look forward to. So it's going to be great to see that. What do you guys think about the NHL holding this and this draft online? I don't think it's a big deal. I mean, uh, we saw the WNBA did a great job with the online draft. The NFL did a great job with the online draft. Uh, I think that the NHL should have no problem. I mean, with the NFL, obviously, we like to see the first-rounders go up to the stage and shake Roger Goodell's hand. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, the second and third day are mostly online. So um, only the analysts just can't be together. I don't think it should be a big deal. Yeah, I'm with you, Lewis. I mean, it's – especially for the NHL draft, it's not as high-profile as the NFL draft just because the players aren't immediately going to the NHL. It's kind of a little bit that way. So – I don't think it'll be that big of a deal that's online. I think it's I think it's fantastic that it's still going on though. Yeah, same with like MLB drafts. Like these players obviously are not going right to the NHL, like you said, Matt. And um, you know, obviously while those players get, you know, their their experience gets wiped out. Um, I think I think it's beneficial to do it online and not, you know, have it delayed. I think it'll provide something for the fans and um being able to get these teams rolling if, you know, season does pick up uh relatively soon, which we're seeing um, Commissioner Bettman, he's, he's making moves, you know, getting cities ready potentially to host games. So, you know, process move along. You got, you got to keep with it. Mm-hmm. And one more thing to add on. We saw with the NFL draft, the boost of viewership, like it was the highest draft ever watched. We may see something um, similar in the NHL as obviously it is a much smaller viewership than the NFL draft, but we may see record numbers there with people tuning in because there's really nothing else, else live going on. Exactly. And speaking of nothing else going on, uh, NASCAR is one of the first sports to announce that they're coming back. 
They officially announced that they're returning to action in May with four Cup Series races in 11 days, all of which will have no fans in attendance. And the first race is on May 17th at Darlington Raceway in South Carolina. What do we think? Are we going to watch? Well, Lou, I don't know about me personally watching, but I'm telling you uh, Americans are going to watch because the most popular sport uh, on average in the United States is NASCAR. Uh, that is, um, you know, for the average American, that's the sport they choose to watch. And uh, I'm, I'm going to tell you, they're going to be a, this is going to get a lot of coverage. Um, you know, pe- people not having much to do and, uh, you know, really the only live sporting event and, um, you know, now the UFC, uh, I believe, is also coming back with some fights um, that will be scheduled pretty soon. Um, so that and combined with NASCAR is really going to, you know, give a little boost uh, in this time. And, you know, again, we're seeing sports leagues get more and more. And LeBron James tweeted um, that the NBA is not canceled, is not canceled their season yet. And he's very optimistic about that. So we're seeing more optimisms out of these leagues. And, you know, these, you know, obviously not the main leagues, but uh, I think they can inspire some change. Yeah, I'd probably tune into NASCAR uh, along with racing. Formula One is expected to come back in Europe. And for me, that's a bit more entertaining because their their cars are like carts and they're a little cooler. But um, yeah, I would I would tune in. I'd see what NASCAR has to offer. Um, I mean, there's really nothing else going on. So why not? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not a NASCAR fan. I don't, I'm not going to like intensely watch it, but I think I'll throw it on just to see how live sports is faring. Same with the UFC. I actually... I, I do like UFC a decent amount. And then, so if they're having fights, I'll, I mean, I'll watch it. I, I'm just curious what it looks like with no fans and, and that whole song and dance. So we'll see. I wish I hadn't just announced my news of the week because the Jaguars just declined Fournette's fifth year option and making wow. him a free agent. So after this year, news, a free agent after this season, after this season. Yeah. That's surprising. Wow. I know they were trying to trade him, but I guess they couldn't find any partners at the moment, at least. Yeah. So let's head over to Matt for his news of the week. Yeah, I'm going to go to the MLB where they're considering realigning the divisions to three divisions, 10 teams per. Uh, and what it sounds like is they're trying to control travel. There's going to be an East, there's going to be a Central, there's going to be a West. I, d- I think I heard that they're trying to limit stadiums too. I, I think Adam could probably confirm that for me. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's pretty interesting. I-, I think it would be cool to see the Mets and the Yankees in the same division. Uh, same with, like, the Dodgers and the Angels, Cubs and White Sox. Stuff like that would be cool. Uh, I think it'll- I'm interested to see how the playoffs would work. But what do you guys think? I think, uh, Matt, you said, you know, the stadium use. I think they're planning to try to use all stadiums. But they are, yeah. And not-, not sure on that front at the moment. Uh, but this is really interesting. Um, because I think it's a great idea. It definitely keeps the teams within their geographic regions, limits the travel, um, and I think it can be done safely. The problem is, as things develop so fast in this climate that we're in, um, does this is this the format even into the fall when you know we might be at a different stage? You know, in other parts of of society, will this still be the way? And then, how does the playoff format factor? You know, do you take two teams from each? Uh, geographic area and then what what about the travel between the geographic areas for the World Series or you know uh, in in the AL and NL uh, championship series so that's kind of my worry and how this will develop obviously those are all unanswerable questions at this point but I think it's a great step forward for the league I think they can definitely make this work and I think they're they have a realistic start date which you didn't mention which was um, late 
late June, right. at the latest July 1st, which I think is a, is a realistic timeline and um, good for the fans. Yeah, I agree, Adam. I think it would definitely bring a major boost for all of us. And obviously those games would be played without uh, spectators, without fans there. But it would be great to just see live sports, one, one of the big ones that we talk about, baseball. It would be great to see that come back as soon as possible. But well, actually when I first saw that, when you sent it in our group chat, Adam, I thought that was a permanent thing disregarding COVID. No. I thought they were just switching that and like in, and in, like not – talking about COVID. I thought they were just talking about that as like a new structure to the MLB. But now that I understand that it's about coronavirus and that's why they're doing it, it makes a lot more sense. Cause I was wondering like, why would they just completely switch everything up just like that and completely restructure the league, but it makes sense. And I think it could really work in the MLB. And then again, you'll have more fans tune in because it's, it's something new. Yeah. And just to add on to that quickly, um, you know, the MLB obviously is not doing that, but um, they're just, they could do that because of COVID, but they are doing a lot of structural changes. They did a structural change to the playoffs, um, you know, when everything was normal. They're thinking about robot umpires. I mean, to be honest for me, I, I hate the idea of robot umpires. Yeah, that's terrible. These all these different changes where, you know, now relief pitchers have to face a minimum of three batters, which is, uh, is, is just absolutely stupid in my opinion and I think Rob Manfred's trying to change a lot about what makes baseball the, the greatest sport in my opinion obviously I'm very biased I'm a baseball player so um but I think he's trying to change a lot about America's pastime that should not be changed and uh, even though you know I'm a modern fan of the game I support bat flips I'm all into that stuff but robot umpires I I honestly I'm, I'm coming out and say I will not watch baseball for the rest of my life if they do robot umpires it changes the entire game and they're actually serious about proposing this they're like they're in very deep talks they already imposed in the Atlantic League for some experimental games in the Arizona Fall League it will not work it will not work it changes the entire game and I won't watch so that's just my take on that <laughs> Right. I would watch at first just a little bit, like, to see what it's like. But I, I think long term, like, when you talk about the game, it would definitely take away from it. Go on, Lou. Yeah, I think we spent a lot of time talking about this. So let's move on to Adam's News of the Week. Yeah, I'll, I'll quickly wrap this up. The NCAA um, uh, made a big change. Um, but we pretty all uh, much could predict it, it was coming, um, that they allow players to profit off their name, likeness, and image. Um, in the upcoming uh, season, um, whenever that may begin. Um, and I think this is a great step for the NCAA. I do not think they could have done more than this. I'd like to hear your guys' thoughts on that because uh, Jay Williams of ESPN said they could, this is not a step at all, saying they're doing nothing, saying this is like, you know, th that the school should pay the players. I think that's completely unrealistic. I think Zion Williamson, I always use him in the example because I thought he was such a brand name and had 2.1 million followers on Instagram. Even, even Tua at Miami, I mean, he was such a great story and marketing opportunity that he could have made millions of dollars just by endorsements. And I don't think, you know, I think it would create such a disparity with D3 athletes. What are you going to pay them five bucks a week for their labor? <laughs> like, I mean, they don't generate anything. And then what do you, you know, D1, and what do you pay Tua versus, you know, a D3 athlete? So I think it gets into way too much in the weeds there. And I don't know why a lot of these guys like Jay Williams are, are negating this really structural change that I think is good for the NCAA. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to have to side with the Tim Tebow argument on this because Tebow was someone who 
was one of the best college football players of all time. And when he was at Florida, his jersey was a top five selling uh, jersey. And he made he did not make a dollar off of it. So I think that make, paying the players just ruins the distinction between amateur and pro. And as soon as you start paying, I mean, the passion that you get in college basketball and college football, you, don't, you won't get that when you start paying the players. Um, I think it's obviously – it's so hard to make a compromise because it is a little bit unfair that these universities are making so much money off the likeness of the player and their abilities. But I really don't – I really don't feel like you should be able to pay the player. Well, Lou, I'm going to – agree with Adam here I think like the the school should not be paying the players like a salary like Adam said but I think they should profit off like let's say jersey uh jersey sales so like with Tim Tebow if people buy his jersey he should get a portion of that money because it's representing him but I don't I think I agree I agree with you if, you if what you're saying is that they shouldn't be paying like salaries I agree with that I don't think any any NCAA player should be receiving a salary because they're in school. They're here for school. But if somebody wants to make a video game with their rights in it, with them in it, they, and take, use their rights for stuff, I think they deserve to get paid for that. And it would be much more beneficial for the NCAA and will attract more players to play in college sports rather than going to the G League, let's say, if they were able to get compensated for, for like jersey sales or memorabilia or merchandise and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I think I think a salary is almost in Crazyville at, at this point. But like, but I mean, I think it's un-American to make them not profit off their name. I mean, come on, like, like you, your, your, your brand is yours. Like, you should be able to make money off your jerseys and your name and video games and whatever that may be. And so I, I'm totally with that. But I think you're in Crazyville if you're giving them a salary. Yeah. Um. Really quick, just to finish up. Uh. But you mentioned video games, Speed. But the NC, you know, two A video games. Um in football, basketball, those things will not be coming back because there is no structured uh, players union right now. Um, so without that, they can't possibly, I mean, you know, players unions go into MLB, the show 2K, Matt and all these things, NHL. Um, but right now without a players union, they, they can't create that. And there's no plan to create one in the near future. So if, if a game were to be created, I think it's going to be a long time coming until until that process comes back, which is unfortunate for for video game fans and sports fans alike. Um, but want to move on from this. That was our news of the week, uh, breaking down all the sports news from the past week here on All That Talk. But now we get into probably one of my favorite segments on the show, um, unpopular sports opinions. So in this section, we give uh, one opinion that is, um, you know, outside outside the lines, a little bit outraged, a little bit, um, you know, out, out of the scope of, of possibility. But we, we try to make it as um, our claim for it as realistic as possible. And then the other three guys will rank our opinion on a range from one to five. Um, and we'll see how we score up in the end. So I'm going to hand it over to Lou to start us off with your unspot popular sports opinion. All right. So. Draymond Green was the most important piece of the Warriors championship teams in 2015, 2017, and 2018. Wow. So much on the players that score the most points, such as Steph, Clay, and KD, that we forget about the players that did the dirty work. In every single one of those seasons, he led the team in total rebounds, and in two of the seasons, he led the team in total assists and total steals. He was the centerpiece of the defense every year, protecting the paint with just a six-foot-seven frame, 
and he also maintained Swiss Army knife capabilities and his ability to guard any player on the opposing team. Makes sense that he won Defensive Player of the Year in 2017. Lastly, on the offensive end, he was an incredible screen setter on a team like the Warriors that averaged more than 1.2 points per possession coming off screens. Green was the guy getting Curry, Clay, and KD open. I would describe him as a little bit of Barkley, Pippen, Rodman, and Karate Kid meshed together. The Warriors would have been a much different team without him. All right, I'll go first with this. Um, Lou, I'm going to give you a three. I think that was well put together. And I think you made a very good argument for a ludicrous claim, if that makes sense. I think you put together a really good argument to show how important. Not a ludicrous claim. Without uh, him, that Warriors team is nowhere near as good as they were. Oh, maybe nowhere near as good as they were, but I wouldn't say it's fair to say he's the best player. You made it seem how he was a good player and and very important. player on the team. You said the most important, didn't you? Yeah, the most important. Yeah, I think what your claim made it seem like he was a very good and and an important player. But I think if you like, we all know Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and and KD were the three more important players than him, like in in these teams. So like, I I think you made a good argument. That's why I'm gonna give you a three that he like a very good argument about how important he was. But it's just beyond me to think that he was the most important. Yeah, I'm with you, Chris. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a three. I think. I mean, Draymond Green is one of those players that flies under the radar. I mean, everywhere he goes, he wins, whether that's college, whether that's, um, you know, the Warriors. And I think, obviously, the players you named, those three players are, you know, better than him and probably more important. But you can't – I mean, they needed that – they needed him. They need that piece to complete it. He does all the dirty work, and he's like the Robin of that team. So I see the argument. I just don't think I'm with you totally there. Yeah, Lou, I'm going to stick with the guys. I think I give you a three. Uh, I respect the balls. <laughs> I respect the balls on your argument. That's why I'm giving you a three and not a exactly. You know, no, I, I just gave you a three. That factors into it. I, that's why I give you a whole other point. But I think that you're arguing the most important. I mean, Steph Curry revolutionized the game of basketball. I mean, he, he's the, he, you could argue that he's the most important player in, the M, in NBA history. I mean, there's an argument for that. So I think without, with, you know, saying he's the most important he's he's up he's he's certainly up there I mean he's you know starting five obviously um I think Kevin Durant is less important than him actually because they had a worse record without with Kevin Durant than without Kevin Durant um and I I think he definitely sees him but Clay I mean I mean he I I could make an argument that Draymond may be important than Clay but it's hard to get past Steph. I mean, he was, he, he's the Warriors. You think of this, you think of the Golden State Warriors, you think of Steph Curry. So most important, I, I think you give to Steph Curry, but it, it was a great argument. I thought I would be able to turn you guys with the screen setting part because Draymond did get Curry open a ton, but. <laughs> it's, all, it's, all, it's all true. I just, I, I just, not quite there. It's almost. It's, it, was it, was a good argument. Argument. it was a good argument. If you structured to say the second best player, I think I would have given you a four or five. Yeah, I think that could have been a four. Well, then that would have been less of an unpopular opinion. You know what I mean? Well, I'd say it's still, it's it's still, still I think it's still unpopular if he's second best, but. All right. Well, we, we, we need to move on to this good argument, Lou. Uh, y'all can decide in the comments section uh, whether he was convincing or not. Lou finishes with a nine um, in his unpopular opinions. I'm going to hand it over to Matt for his on the day. Okay, I don't know if this is crazy, but I think it flies under the radar. I'm going to say that the Minnesota sports market is the most tortured in all of American sports. Uh, wait, 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 have, hold on, hold on. What do you mean by tortured? Like, what does that mean? I mean tortured like, like well, I'm going to go into it. They're, they're the most tortured. They, they, okay, they, okay. You know, you, know, you know, do you guys get what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. They have oh, the yeah. longest championship drought of the city with four major teams at 29 years. 
the last team to win a championship was the Twins in 1991, who the Twins are the only team in the, in the city that ha, or the state that has won a championship. They literally, the Twins, let's get into the Twins. The Twins have not won a playoff game, not series. They have not won a playoff game in 16 years. They're, uh, let's go to the Vikings, the most, winningest te- the most winningest team in the NFL without a Super Bowl. They've lost four. I think they've lost two playoff games in recent memory just because a kicker couldn't make like a 30-yard field goal. So, I mean, that's pretty torturous. I mean, just look up, look up 1998 Viking season and, t- and, and, and you know, tell me, tell me I'm wrong. Let's go to the Timberwolves. They've made the playoffs once in the last 15 years. Not hard in, in the NBA to make the playoffs. It's really not that difficult. More than half the teams make it. The only time besides that year they made the playoffs was when they had Kevin Garnett. And they won, they won two playoff series in the history of the franchise. One season with Kevin Garnett, they had that. And let's finally go to the Wilds. All you, all you need to talk about is with Minnesota hockey is that their team went from Minnesota, the state of hockey, to Dallas. All right? That's all I need to say. All right, Matt. Uh, I'll take a first shot at this one. I'm going to give it a four. Uh, I thought it was a good argument. Um, I, the wild argument is, is, is so true. I mean, Minnesota is a state of hockey, and they, and they just have utterly failed in their, in their success um, out of that. I think – make a good argument the twins they're getting better but you know no real results since the 90s uh same for the timberwolves and you know the vikings are torturous so i mean i'm very close to giving this a five i mean this it's like a 4.45 for me uh it's it's a good it's a very good argument but i I don't know if if because you can make an argument um for for cities like like arizona uh phoenix and and stuff like that um, who are more tortured, but it's it's very solid. Well, Hassan, I'm going to give you a four as well. Uh, I think you made some good points. Off the top of my head, I was thinking, like, like these teams have made the playoffs. Like, the Wild have made the playoffs a decent amount, and the Vikings have made the playoffs a decent amount. And the Twins, I mean, they made it last year at least, versus in Phoenix where you have a team who doesn't make it. Like, none of their teams have made it since 2015. But I think if you want to talk about torture like we are, with the Vikings getting screwed over every single year, let's say, and the Wild losing in Game Seven to the Avalanche, I think you made a very valid point. I'm gonna give it, a, yeah. So I'm gonna give it a four as well. But Adam, I I want to go at you, Adam. I don't like that Wild thing. What you said, the North Stars moved to Dallas, but they brought them back to Minnesota, the Wild, and they've been decent. Like they've been on the bubble and they've made the playoffs like pretty often. I Minnesota wouldn't say Minnesota hockey is supposed to be. You're you're supposed to thrive. You're, you're yeah, not you're, the, 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 the expectation is excellence. You're not you're not convincing me with the bubble shit. No, I mean they're no. they're they're not they're not they're as not bad. Okay, they're not bad. Minnesota hockey, come on. Goddamn good hockey team. Come on, they want good. They they put fans in the they put asses True. in the seats to see Stanley Cup championships. But their team moved to Texas and it's hockey. Yeah, no, but they brought them back. That was that was pretty. They brought them back. Yeah, they brought them back because you know they needed something, but. And that's something really hasn't been all that convincing for me. But we'll go to Lou. What do you think? I'm going to go with a three because when I think of like, I mean, obviously it's unpopular, but up until recent years, Philly, Philly definitely held that spot. Cleveland definitely held that spot. Phoenix, as Adam says, in Arizona. Um, I mean, up until the 76ers started playing pretty well, I mean, the Eagles had let their team, let their fans down so many times up until they stole it from Brady. So I just, I just couldn't include those cities because, like, the Cavs won, the Eagles won, the Nats won. Exactly. You know what I mean, I mean in, in recent years, it's been good to be a sports fan because we have seen some new teams win. 
um, other than NBA. I mean, Toronto, but before that, it was <laughs> – it seemed Well, Chris, to... you, said, you said Buffalo. I don't think – They Buffalo only have two teams. Two teams but, so but, I, I mean, really... both of those teams are, like, insanely tortured. I wouldn't say it's a more tortured city, but I'm saying those two teams are – like arguably make Buffalo one of the most tortured cities just with the bills getting screwed every single year and the Sabres starting out hot every year being the best team in the league in November and then just crashing I mean think about Atlanta too true um the Falcons conversation Atlanta yeah no I think yeah yeah Atlanta's in the conversation they lost their hockey team the Hawks have been irrelevant forever yep well, uh, we can, uh, the Braves have played well in the regular season, not in the postseason. Yeah, but I would I would classify that as torture because they're not winning. You could ask Sam Cachopo <laughs> how he feels about that. Um, but, uh, no, uh, Matt, very solid opinion. Uh, so you finish with uh, 11. Uh, so you're in the lead right now. Let's see if Speen can beat you. All right. So my unpopular opinion is the Browns should have taken Saquon Barkley as the first overall pick in 2018. We all know that Baker Mayfield was picked first to Cleveland in the draft. However, when Saquon, came, Saquon Barkley came out of college, he was clearly the best player in the draft. And he's been nothing but sensational to back that up in his first couple of seasons with the Giants. I don't need to bring up his stats because we all know how great of a running back he is. And, I mean, if they took Barkley at one, they easily could have gotten a pretty good quarterback at four where they drafted Denzel Ward. And in this scenario, the Giants and Jets would have most likely taken quarterbacks at two and three. So let's say they take Mayfield or Darnold and Darnold. The Browns would have been able to land one of the top quarterback prospects nonetheless. They would have had their choice of Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, and Lamar Jackson. And before you rip me to shreds on Josh Rosen, he's never really been given a chance. And with the Browns' elite wide receiving group and with the Njoku as a decent tight end, I think he would have been poised for somewhat of a success. And also, they they would have had arguably the best offense in the league as Barkley is the best running back in the game, in my opinion. And with their elite pass uh with their elite receiving core and having a quarterback maybe like Josh Allen step in there or Lamar Jackson if they took him early enough or Rosen I think they still could have been they would have been better than they where they are now all right I'm gonna go first I so Saquon Barkley has been a good running back but has he won games for the Giants no not at all running backs running backs do not win games for your football teams I mean, look at Barry Sanders. He was on, he was one of the best. He's the best running back of all time, in my opinion. And he was on some pretty bad Lions teams. And I mean, I like with with Baker. He's had his ups and downs. But that fourth pick that they had with Denzel Ward, I mean, he's been a really good cornerback in the NFL for them. So I'm gonna have to go with a two on the argument. All right, uh, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with a three. I'm a little bit higher on it than Lewis is. Uh, you got to remember, they got Nick Chubb later in the draft. He's a phenomenal running back. I mean, I don't think they need Saquon Barkley. And I think you take the quarterback at number one. Look, look, I don't think there's any ever – there's never a running back that's worth the number one pick. It doesn't, it doesn't matter who it is. Running backs usually, like, nine times out of ten take a step down at the age – maybe after their second contract. And I think, you know, Baker had down years, sure. But I think not all hope is lost for him. I think he's still an okay quarterback. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to settle with a three, Chris. I don't think it was awful, but I didn't think it was great. I'll go with a three as well. I think this was uh, a solid point. I think you made you made some good arguments on how they, they could have structured their offense. You offered some hypotheticals, which I think are valid. Um, but, yeah, the argument for running back at first overall, I mean, y- yes, he was the best out of college, but but the Browns needed needed a quarterback who, who at that time – and you're talking about in, in, in hindsight of, of Baker Mayfield. I think at the time – 
Um, you know, they really needed a quarterback. I think uh, we forget how – I think we even forget how really bad the Browns were, you know, even two years ago. I think we, we, we kind of blocked that out of our memory because they were so bad. Um, but, but, yeah, no, I, I think Saquon Barkley, as a Giants fan, he's, a, he's an amazing running back. I mean, I think one of the, one of the greatest in the league right now um but I mean that doesn't win win you football games and despite you know Baker's woes I think um with with new coaching regime I think he can step it up still early on in his career and he can he can still turn it around so uh yeah I'll give that a three um but pretty solid opinion overall uh so Spine, you finish with an eight uh so we're at 11 for Hassan nine for Lou and eight for Spine. and now I'll take it into my the final unpopular opinion of the day and my argument is that the Colorado Avalanche are the most were the most are poised right now the most likely if the season does continue to make it out of the west uh into the Stanley Cup finals and here's my argument um there's only one team that's both in top 10 in goals and top 10 in goals in in goals like less goals allowed um and that's the Colorado Avalanche. They're third in goals, and they're tied for fifth with the Islanders um, in terms of uh, goals allowed. Um, so they're one of the best offensive and defensive teams um, in the league. Also, they are eighth in power play goals, so it shows the success of their, their special teams. They can get it done. Um, McKinnon got injured right before the break, um, but he would come back and would be fully healthy, and he was one of the best players for them um, this season. Uh, he was really providing um, a a great offensive uh, storm of force. Uh, he was ninth in goals in the NHL, thirty five uh, in terms of uh, in terms of plus minus. Um, they had Valeri uh, Nushkinen. I, I'm probably messing that name up, but he he was uh, he was eighth in plus minus um, out of the right wing, and uh, they also had a, a very solid uh, goaltender, Pravel. Uh, Francois, uh, I don't know how to pronounce his name either. Francois, but close enough. <laughs> yeah, uh, he was he was he was a solid solid second goaltender for for the um, for the Avalanche um, with uh, 2.41 goals against. That was good for ninth in the league. And they also had um, a very decent starting goaltender in Grubauer, who was who had a 2.63 goals allowed per game. Um, so they were solid on all ends of the ice. I think. They were going to face uh, – right now they were poised to face Dallas in the first round, um, and I think they could have got past that match. I think they could have got past uh, the Golden Knights, and I think they could have got past St. Louis if they needed to. Um, so I think they're the most likely to get out of the West. I'll go first with this. Adam, I'm going to give you a high three, only because before your argument I already believed that the Avalanche would come out of the West, so I don't think it was very hot. But you did provide the evidence that um, why they would – come out of the West per se, but I just thought it was a little, like I, I already thought that ahead of time, but it was a good take. So I'll give you a high three. Yeah. I'm with, I'm with, I'm basically, I feel like the same way as you do, Chris. Uh, I cause just cause the avalanche, I mean, they were a game back of the blues, but they were only two points back. So like they were like pretty much the number one team in the West or they weren't that far off. So I don't think it's like super hot, but I think you laid down all the evidence and I think it's true. I mean, they're, I mean, the coronavirus is going to help them a lot because they were pretty injured at the break. Uh, so I'm with you there, but just didn't think it was super hot. Yeah, Matt kind of stole my little point there. Uh, I'm going to have to go with the three as well. Um, I think that the Avalanche were – they were up there as one of the top teams in the West, uh, give or take the Blues. 
Um, and with Matt, with what Matt said, they were heavily injured. But also with you uh, saying that they were going to play Dallas, Dallas had a six-game losing streak going into the abrupt end to the season. So, I mean, winning that series probably would have been pretty manageable. Well, Dallas actually did beat uh, Colorado in every matchup they face this season. So um, I don't know if it would, I don't know if to experts it would be that manageable um, to most of the stuff that I've read. But also, I mean, the Golden Knights were very favored to come out of the West. They were given at one point, like I think a week before the season ended, like six to one odds to win the Stanley Cup. So they were likely, Blues were likely. Um, you know, there were teams coming up in the West um, that, that could have had a run for their money. So um, I think not a lot of people thought, you know, there were a considerable amount of people who thought Colorado, but I agree with your guys' uh, assessment. So that'll do it for our unpopular opinions. I finished with a nine. Uh, Lou's also at a nine, Spina an eight, and Matt at 11 going into the quiz, um, which will come up later. But our next section will be our first discussion of the day. Matt, take it away. All right. So we're going to discuss which NFL team who made the playoffs last year is most likely to not make it next year. And this is a, I mean, this is a good segment, I think, because, I mean, history says that about five or six teams, and there's 12 teams to make the playoffs in the NFL, about five or six of them miss it uh, the following season. So there are a considerable, considerable amount of change each year. Um, so with that, uh, I'm going to throw it to Lewis to start us off. All right. So I would be starstruck to see the Texans in the playoffs next year. One of the biggest mysteries in this, this year's offseason was when they traded away their star receiver DeAndre Hopkins and a 2020 fourth-round pick to the Cardinals in return for David Johnson, a 2020 second-rounder, and a 2021 fourth-rounder. Johnson is nowhere near the caliber of Hopkins. He's battled multiple injuries these past couple of years and hasn't posted in a 1,000-yard season since 2016. Deshaun Watson has expressed frustration over the trade through Twitter, quoting Drake, quote, iconic duos rip and split at the seams. It is obvious that him and Bill O'Brien are not on the same wavelength right now. In addition, they made no significant free agent signings, and they had no first-round picks this year. Yeah, Lou, I completely agree with you. I think the Texans will not make the playoffs this year. Um, I think they're the th at least the third-worst team in the division now in the AFC South. I think the Jaguars come in last, but I think the Colts and Titans are better than them for next year. And uh, that, that makes me happy as the Dolphins have their pick. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think, I don't think they're totally out of it. I mean, they still have Deshaun Watson, who I think is one of the three best quarterbacks in the sport. And he's one of those equalizers where it doesn't really matter who's on the team, but they have Deshaun Watson and they'll be in a lot of close games. So I, yeah, I mean, I, I think their team. I think say Deshaun Watson was one of the three best quarterbacks in the sport. Oh yeah. I, I have no doubt in my mind. Wow, hot take. Is that really a hot take? Wow. No, I, did, I, don't, I don't react to it the way that, that Lou and Speen did. I think, I think you can make the argument for it. Anyway, that, I mean, yeah, Adam, anything, anything to say to what Lou yeah, said? Yeah, uh, I, I agree with Lou, um, but I think the AFC South is a really weak division. And, you know, if the Titans slip up and the Colts slip up, and there's no guarantee of those teams doing well, I mean, Speen, I don't know. I mean, you may have different thoughts, but I, I've given no indication that those teams are really going to get that much better. So even if the Texans slip off a bit, I still think it's a close race for the division title. And even if they finish nine and seven, I think they could still make the playoffs. Uh, I mean, every year is different. Nine and seven sure. make the playoffs some years. There's also seven go seven and nine and make the playoffs. <laughs> uh, no, I feel like you're sleeping on the Titans and the Colts. I mean, they got Jonathan Taylor, the Colts. No, I love, I, 
Philip Rivers is, is an upgrade over Brissett. Bro, I love the Colts. I love their pickups in the draft. Um, I love what they've done. Uh, I just don't know if it clicks immediately. Fair enough. But All the Colts right. were hot at the end of the year. But, yeah, we can move on. No, wait. The Colts might have one of the best backfields in the NFL next year. Jonathan Taylor can replicate what he did in college, and Marlon Mack was picking it up. I really do think that the Colts could have one of the best backfields in the NFL next year. Yeah, certainly behind that O-line. Um, I, th- I think this is a smooth transition to mine because I actually picked the Titans for mine. Uh, I, th- I mean, with the Titans, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to explain my overachieving team theory. And that's basically that teams that kind of, I mean, the Titans coasted into the playoffs, you know, they kind of, they snuck in there uh, and they overachieve. I mean, they beat two teams that were better than them in the regular season. I'm not saying they don't deserve it, but they did. And I think uh, nine times out of 10, you see those teams kind of regress, whether that's, uh, you know, I wouldn't say this is overachieving, but like the, the Rams got worse this year. The Falcons after their run got worse. The Jags after their one run in 2017 got worse. And so I, I just kind of just reading the beat of the NFL, I just kind of feel that. Uh, and they played a lot of close games, and they easily could have lost more games last season. They didn't have a great defense. They were 21st ranked, and they lost Jarrell Casey and Logan Ryan. Jack Conklin left in free agency, and they kind of replaced all those players in the draft with, like, mid-round picks. But I'm not going to hang my hat and say mid-round picks are going to solve their issues. Uh, and, and like what you guys said, I think the Colts got better. I really like the Colts this year in that division. The Texans still aren't bad. The Jags are getting better. They're worse than them, but they're getting better. I don't think their schedule is easy. I think they play – I mean, they play all those teams twice, the Colts and Texans twice. They're at Green Bay. They're at Minnesota, at Baltimore. Not easy. Uh, at Denver, you know how much I like Denver. And they're playing Buffalo and Pittsburgh, who are tough too. So, I think we're going to see the Titans regress a little bit, even, you know, maybe maybe 7-9 and nine or something like that and miss the playoffs. Yeah, I think that's definitely fair with Ken Hill back there. I mean, for all we know, he could have just had a nice little streak there in Tennessee and now will be awful next year. Uh, he hasn't been that great for the Dolphins and watching him for so many years. It was just awful. But, yeah, I mean, he did come out rejuvenated. But I could definitely see your point where the Texans – I think they w- uh, the Titans will regress a little bit, and I think the Colts are going to win the division. But um, I, 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 I can see your point. All right. Well, if, if no one else has anything else to add. Well, just a quick thing. Um, yeah, the, uh, I, I, think it, yeah, I think it's a great argument of, like, those teams who tend to overachieve, as you said. Um, you know, I know I've experienced it with the Super Bowl Giants teams where those, you know, wild card in 2012, um, you know, winning and then, you know, not winning again. So, you know, it's tough to replicate that stuff. And a lot of their players like Ryan Tannehill may have just had a good season, like Spina said. Um, and even Derrick Henry, which a lot of people are saying, oh, now he's the best rusher in the league. You know, look at his first few seasons. And he was not the Heisman winner that he was at Alabama. So is this season an outlier for Derrick Henry? Is he getting any younger? No. So, I mean, there are a lot of questions in the air for Tennessee, and I don't know if Mike Vrabel will be able to address them. I mean, they obviously had a good scheme going on. They were able to take down uh, two teams that were definitely viable for, to make it to the Super Bowl. And I definitely think that once teams start to figure out how they can stop Derrick Henry, I mean, the Chiefs kind of got it, but the Chiefs were just an all-round uh, powerhouse, I think that they will definitely not replicate what they did last year. All right, so we talked a little about about the AFC. Chris has one more AFC team he thinks won't make the playoffs. Go ahead. I'm going to start off with, with one big thing. Don't you dare tell me that Jared Stidham, Brian Hoare, or Andy Dalton will lead the New England Patriots to the playoffs. Don't even tell me that. In okay. the division with the Jets, the Dolphins, and uh, the Bills, I believe whoever they line up, other than 
a trade for uh, a trade or signing Cam Newton, they will have the worst quarterback in the division. First off. So don't even think about telling me that one of those players I mentioned will lead the New England Patriots with uh, not a great offense to lead them into the postseason. Also, everybody in the division got better except them. They got significantly worse. We said that they lost Tom Brady. They lost Kyle Van Noy, Jamie Collins, et cetera. When everybody else got better, the Dolphins got Byron Jones. They got Van Noy from him uh, from New England. They got Burrito. The Jets were – the Jets, I think, will get a little bit better because they have better uh, – well, Darnold's going to have another year played. Um, they had a lot of injuries last year, like Mosley going down. And the Jets did get uh, Brashad Perriman to replace Robbie Anderson. The Bills, they got Stephon Diggs. Um, they got AJ Epinesa at edge from the draft. And it's yet another year of develop. Yeah, whatever it is. <laughs> what a, they got another year of development out of Josh Allen. I, I just think the Patriots, is, unless they get somebody like Cam Newton or get like, I don't think Watson's going to trade it now. I think they signed a fifth year for him, right? But um, I'd, unless the Patriots make a trade at quarterback, I, they are not going to make the playoffs next year. All right. I mean, I'll start off. I mean, I, th- I still think they will. I mean, this is a team that had the number one defense in football last year. I mean, it's half the sport. Half the sport is defense. They have, they have some of the best – I mean, they have the best coach of all time. I think most people can agree with that. And I think Jared Stidham is better than you guys think. I, I might have to eat my words there later. But he was one of those guys for me where if he came out a year earlier when Auburn was a little bit better – and they had a good season, he could have been like a sec- first or second round pick. So we'll see what Jared Stidham. I might have to eat my words uh, this time next year, but that's my take. I mean, the Patriots obviously feel pretty comfortable with Stidham. They brought in Hoyer to teach him up a little bit, and they really haven't jumped on getting Dalton or Newton. I mean, the first thing that popped into my mind when I saw that the Bengals released Dalton, I was like, uh-oh, Belichick might sign him now. Uh, I really do think that the Patriots could do some special things with Dalton. Dalton has shown signs of being a very solid quarterback in the NFL. Uh, and I mean, going back to the deflate gate, when Brady sat out, they went 4-0, didn't they? So Belichick's a wizard. Bill Belichick has a, an astute observation of, uh, of selecting late-round quarterbacks, uh, as we well know. Um, and, and Jared Sinem had opportunities to uh, work under Tom Brady last season, um, came out of a very successful program there at Auburn, um, very successful in his college career. And, and obviously the Patriots see something in him because he's going to be the starting quarterback. There's no one else right now unless – They're, they're pushing, they're pushing the tires on uh, Dalton. They're, they're I, I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't think that's, that's going to happen. That's gossip. Yeah, I think, I think that's, that's all, you know, smoke and mirrors at this point. Um, and you know, they're riding with him and they have the, as Matt said, the best defense in the NFL. Um, I still think they do. And I th- they still have the best defensive player. They still have the defensive player of the year uh, in their secondary. So I think they're going to defend the pass really well against these very young quarterbacks, um, yeah, out of, out of the, out of the AFC East. Um, uh, Fitzpatrick's going to play next year. Most likely. So. Okay. Fitzpatrick throws a lot of damn picks. So well, Fitzpatrick beat them week 17 and spoiled them. Well, there's season. something about former Patriot coaches know how to. Ryan Flores, know. yeah. And one more thing I want to add Rebel. about the Patriots. They have the, uh, one more thing I want to add about the Patriots. They have the hardest schedule in the league, too. Number one, most difficult schedule. So. All right. All right. So I think, I think we exhausted the, the Patriots. Um, Adam is going to tell us a different team. I, I'm excited to hear this one because this team, another team that like was pretty, won a playoff game that last year, actually. So go ahead. Yeah, um, so I'm going to argue that the Minnesota Vikings will not make Whoa. the playoffs. 
um, this next year. And my argument for that is that they, while they were the eighth ranked offense in the NFL last year, they're losing a key contributor in Stefan Diggs. Um, they're still sticking at quarterback um, with, uh, with what's his name? Um, <laughs> Kirk Cousins. Even, yeah, Kirk Cousins. Cousins. Uh, you like me now, uh, motherfucker. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, I think, I think his, his, uh, his trend will continue of continuing to lose in, in big games. Um, he is what zero and nine on Sunday night football now or Monday night football. Um, I think it's Monday night, right? Yeah, Monday night football. Um, and they have a very uh, tough schedule this year. Uh, if you want to know some teams out of conference that they got to play or out of division, they got to play. They got to play the Dallas Cowboys, who you Spina said have the one of the best offenses in the NFL. Um, so that's going to really test their defense. Um, they have to play the Saints, who also have a great offense. They have to play the Seahawks, who are always a tough battle, um, at CenturyLink, which is always a tough place to play. They go to, have to go to Tampa to play Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Stop and overhyping the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm just, I'm just saying. Just you gotta, saying. You gotta play I'm just saying, too. I'm, I didn't, okay, on the last show, I said that they, that they were overhyped, but I think they're better than the Vikings. Um, and uh, And – they got to play your division, uh, AFC South division winners, the Indianapolis Colts in Indy. Uh, so this is, this is going to be a, a very tough, um, tough season for the Vikings. They have a lot of tough opponents to play. I don't think their offense, I think their offense has decreased. I think their defense has pretty much stayed the same. Um, and they were barely a borderline playoff team anyway. So I think they just miss. Well, yeah, Adam, I think you made a couple of good points there. But I feel like we have to recall who they play in their division. We know they play the Packers, and that's always a good game. But then they play a team that's going to be either led by Mitch Trubisky or Nick Foles, and then the Lions, who are a complete dumpster fire. So, like, things go right for the Vikings. That's probably three wins there, at least. At least three wins. So that's – and that could definitely help out. Um, but I, I, I'm not sure if they're going to make the playoffs. I think you made some valid points why they could regress. But I think they're definitely going to be two in the division. And there's no question about that. Yeah, I mean, I think, I th- I think they'll probably miss the playoffs. I think the Vikings are one of those teams that kind of go up and down, and they make the playoffs. They win, and they miss, and they miss, and they kind of go like that. They lost everything, Griffin. Uh, this Stefan Diggs, their secondary needs to be patched up. So I think we'll see. I think we'll see them a little regression, maybe eight and eight, and miss the playoffs. I mean, I've heard that they did a pretty good job in the draft, drafting cornerbacks to replace. I mean, Xavier Rhodes was. <laughs> OD washed. He was, he was washed. He was washed. But I love their pick of Justin Jefferson. I think that he is going to replace Stefan Diggs. Not maybe not this year, maybe not next year, but uh, down the line. I mean, he was Burroughs highlights. If you watch Burroughs highlights, it was Justin Jefferson's highlights as well. So we'll see. I agree with Matt on how they go up and down, but I do think that they still have the pieces to be a playoff team. All right. Well, I think uh, I think that does it for for our first discussion. Um, but we're we're kind of pressed for time a little bit now, so um, we're gonna go quickly through this next discussion. We have to cut one section, but uh, and then we head into our debate. Um, so uh, we'll take into the next one. Well, one of our sections that we're gonna run through a little bit quicker than we would have thought is forgotten players. So we each decided to choose a player or two. Um, in our respective sports, so hockey, Adams baseball, Hassan is uh, football, Lewis basketball. So we each decided to choose a player who 
has been forgotten over the years and they're not playing anymore and they they were good they were pretty decent and we knew of them at the times they were playing but they just fell under the radar as of late so I'll start off with Adam go ahead bud yeah I think uh the player I'll bring up and we'll go like one minute each for this because we want to just speed it up um so my player is a guy by the name of John Olerud you guys have probably not heard of him um played from 1989 to 2005 um, very long career for the Toronto Blue Jays, the Mets, Seattle Mariners was part of their playoff runs in 2001 and 2000. Um, so, and a great player. I mean, you see his career stats, 255 career homers, hit, hit uh, five ticks shy of a 300 career average, um, over 1,200 RBIs um, in the major leagues, and um, almost 400 on base percentage for the lefty. Um, first baseman so and and one season I mean his 1993 season with Toronto he led the league in doubles led the led the league in average hitting 363 for the Blue Jays his on-base percentage was almost 500 so that means he got on base in half of his at-bats and his OPS which is on base plus slugging was over a thousand which led the league as well um, so he had an MV he and he finished third in the MVP which I don't understand but um, I mean, I think Larry Walker hit like 366 that season, but um, I mean, he was, he was a star player and he's not in the hall of fame. Um, probably not going to be in the hall of fame, but was really influential in the Met, in the Mets, in the Mets playoff runs of the late nineties, Seattle Mariners and Toronto Blue Jays uh, world series wins of the early nineties. So amazing player. I've never heard of him to say the least. I'm not sure about you, the rest of you guys. <laughs> Me neither. Too bad. Well, we'll we'll go into we'll go into the we'll go into everyone's um, yeah person because uh, we just want to get through this quick. So let's go, Hassan. All right, I picked someone that you guys probably will remember. He played from 2004 2012 for the Chargers and the Falcons. It's running back Michael Turner, who was an absolute bowling ball. If you guys don't remember, he was 5'10", 250 pounds. He made two Pro Bowls and he actually made a first team All Pro once. He finished top three in rushing twice. I mean, he appeared in seven playoffs, I think, two conference championship games. I mean, how many times did we see him in the playoffs with Matt Ryan and Julio Jones and Roddy White and just watch the Falcons just choke away another divisional round game? But he was always there. I know how – I mean, there was so – I remember I knew someone who had his jersey. He was a fun player. He was, he was hilarious to watch run because he was so big and so short, uh, but really powerful, and I think a lot of people forgot about him. Yeah, the Falcons have had some certified ballers over the years. They have. They have. Roddy Wright. I, I hope Gurley picks it up with Atlanta. I really hope he does. Yeah. The dog is home. So, Lewis, let's go with yours in the NBA. Michael Red is the epitome of forgettable players in the NBA. In 2002, the Bucks traded away Ray Allen, a 27-year-old all-star, to the Supersonics because they believed Michael Red would emerge as the star of their team, which he did. I mean, he's not on the caliber of Ray Allen – but from 2003 to 2009, Red recorded six consecutive seasons with more than 20 points per game. He was a member of the 2008 USA Olympic team. And today, in terms of Bucks history, Red goes down as fourth all-time in points, sixth all-time in points per game, and second all-time in three-pointers made. Unfortunately, he suffered back-to-back -back ACL tears in his left knee in 2009 and 2010. And as a result, he was never the same. Uh, my guess for why he's forgotten is because the Bucks teams he was on were mediocre at best and because he was only selected as an all-star at uh one time 
Well, I'm going to wrap it up with the NHL. And this is a player I took along the same lines as Matt and Lewis, where it's more of an, oh, yeah, than I've never heard of a guy. So, and Adam, this guy played on your team. Well, one of them, the Rangers, Brad Richards. That's a name if you guys remember. I do remember Brad Richards. He played on Tampa Bay, Dallas, the Rangers, and a bunch of other teams as he approached retirement. But his prime was in Tampa Bay, where he won a Stanley Cup and was the Conn Smythe winner. So he was the playoff MVP there. Then he went to Chicago and won there in 2015. He was a great two-way center and very potential. And he's like like on the debate of a of future Hall of Famer. Like there's a good shot he gets into Toronto, into the Hall of Fame. And one more player, because I did two short ones, David Clarkson, if you guys remember him. He played on Jersey from 06 to 2013, then went to Toronto and Columbus. He was a grinder, but did put together a 30-goal season in 2012. And he's technically still under contract for the Leafs after they traded Garrett Sparks to Vegas for his contract and a fourth. So I'm not sure if you guys remember Clarkson. I watched him a shit ton growing up with him in the jersey and always being around a physical and beating people up. But also with Brad Richards, he was just a name I completely forgot. And I I think I first remember Richards on Dallas in in like one of the old video games I had. Yeah, Richards I definitely remember. Uh don't know about the other guy. Um never heard of him. But Richards I as a Ranger fan, I do remember him a couple of times um back in the day. Well with that we are going to move on to our structured debate this evening so i'll send it to lou to introduce that yeah another one of our trademark segments for the show is the structured debate where we team up in pairs and we discuss a ongoing debate that we think needs some discussing and for this week we decided to uh, talk about whether or not the nba should make a rule against load management In previous years, we've seen players sit out games as a healthy scratch uh, so that they could rest. And, I mean, we see it in the MLB. Uh, We don't see it in the NHL. And there's been a lot of outcry from fans that travel across the country, pay a lot of money to go see these players play, and they sit out. So since I introduced it and I'm partnered with Matt, who uh, we've made the argument that the load management, there should not be a rule against it. I think that we should start. So let me send it over to Matt. Yeah, I'm just going to say no, because I mean, one, we can get into that. I think the more important part about the NBA season is the playoffs. I mean, there's so many games, there's so many like less like low effort games that I think we want to see the best players perform the best in the playoffs. And I stand for the players. I mean, the NBA is a very pro players league and I want to see, you know, they have, uh, they've shown with fully guaranteed contracts. I just want to see, you know, they, them side with that always. Um, and I just think, you know, it's a fine line. I mean, when are you going to say, oh, he's not really hurt? He's like, he's only a little bit hurt. He may have could have played. He had a family up. Like, it's, I feel like it's so hard to make a rule about that. And, yeah, I just don't, I don't think it's realistic to make a rule about something like that. I think you have to shorten the season, if anything. All right. Send it over to you. You're uh, not going to go, Lou? No. All right. Uh, uh, Chris, you want to take this one first? Yeah, I'll start it off. Load management isn't a thing in any sport. Lewis, you mentioned baseball earlier, but that's the occasional Sunday day game. You just get a day off after a late Saturday night game. But why should it be the NBA of all sports? It's not the most physically exhausting sport, which is hockey or football, nor does it have the longest season in baseball. 
So it doesn't make sense for basketball to have it. Also, it's not good for the fans, as Lewis kind of mentioned. The NBA is a star-driven league, more than any other sport in America. Fans go to games to see players almost as much as they go to see the teams. So, so for example, if the Lakers come to New York, I'm going to see LeBron James. I've never seen him. He's one of the greatest basketball players of all time. I want to see him. Um, so the day they announced, the day of the game, I have already spent $350 on tickets to go to MSG and see LeBron James play. And they announced the day of, which they do with load management or around then, like they announced it. It's, right it's usually the game. pretty close to game time. If I'm there, I'm in my seat waiting to see LeBron James in my LeBron James jersey, and they say he's not player, I'm going to be tight as hell. I just spent so much money to see LeBron. He comes once a year to New York. I mean, the Nets, but you guys know what I mean. It's just – it's for the fans, it's just terrible. And, I mean, the NBA and to see players like LeBron James, so much money, and you're just blowing it. I mean, I'd be pissed off. Yeah, and, and I think to go off, Chris, like the star-driven league thing about it is that the NBA has the – according to a lot of research that's gone into this, it's the it's – the, basketball is the most sport when one player can make a difference. So you don't see te- – like in baseball, one guy bats every nine turns. You can't make much of a difference in that. Football, Saquon Barkley could be the best running back in the league. Still doesn't make the Giants a good team. Uh, in, in hockey, Connor McDavid, one of the best players uh, to ever skate on the ice. And – you know, he, whoa, uh, we can talk about that later, but go ahead. <laughs> I, I think, I think there's an argument for him. Not, yet, not yet. Not yet. Yes. There's well, we'll get it. We'll get into that another show. Um, but anyway, great player. Um, and the Oilers did not make the playoffs for the last few years. Um, so in the NBA, we have LeBron James can literally shift the balance of the league with his one presence on the court. Um, so I think there's an argument to say that they should be on the court to play if they are ready to go. And I just want to talk about Kawhi Leonard for one quick sec, that he sat out like there were like 15 games. I know he has this knee problem and I get that. Um, but he sat out like 15 games during the Raptors championship season and then got to rest so much in the playoffs. And that offers an unfair advantage for some guys who are fighting to get into the playoffs and have to fight every regular season game and then are, are not healthy enough to do so or, or not energetic enough to do so. So I think it's, it's unfair. I think the NBA should make a rule, and I think it takes away from the fans' experience. Yeah, so I saved my point for the rebuttal just because I kind of knew what argument you guys were going to make. And to go off what Adam just said, I mean, the most complete team should win the NBA championship. So if Kawhi can rest because the Raptors are that complete, they should win the NBA championship. Um, I mean, if you're a fan, wouldn't you be disappointed if the player you came to see got injured the night before and wasn't able to play? Well, that's something you can't control. Exactly. So I think that a solid compromise would be for teams to inform fans maybe a week prior if a player is going to decide to sit out. Because, I mean, it's not injury-related. Um, if it is injury related, then they have every right to sit out. Um, and I mean, at least give them a little bit of time to decide what they want to do with their ticket. Yeah. I'm just going to add one quick thing is that I think like, even if you, like, even if you do that, I think players can make like, make up like bullshit injuries and say, Oh, you know, I, uh, I stretched out my ear a little too much. I I can't really hear too well. So they can make up anything and sit out a game. So I think it's so hard to make a rule about that and it actually be effective. I think the only solution is to make less games. I don't think a rule is going to fix anything. Well, I think uh, before uh, uh, Chris goes, I think like the solution for less games uh, is definitely an argument. I think that's probably a separate argument. I think you could, you, you do make a good point in that, Matt. Um, but I'm saying like, like in terms of like faking injury, like 
just to bring up Kawhi again, like he sat out a, a big chunk of the season and a lot of people speculated that he really had nothing going on and there was nothing there. So it's not like it's just a one-time thing for a lot of these guys. It's a continuous thing that's happening. And um, I think, I think if you're not going to shorten the season, then I think some structure needs to be changed. Yeah. And I just think it takes away from the game. You're getting paid millions of dollars to play when you're healthy. That's your job. Like if, if I, I can't just take off a day, for like so many days of work, if I have a job, just cause I don't feel like going in you. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. It's their job. What? If you're Mark Cuban, you can. <laughs> well, there's a difference between Mark Cuban and an NBA player I mean, who's getting paid to play basketball. That's yeah. your job. Yeah. I don't complain. Don't sit out because you're lazy. I mean, for God's sakes, you're getting paid to play basketball. Yeah, and it's not just like the employer. Like, let's say the Toronto owner was a, was okay with Kawhi sitting out, but ESPN was probably not okay with him sitting out when they showed their games. Uh, TSN was probably not happy with him when they showed their games. The arena probably wasn't happy when 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 ticket sales went down. So there's a lot of different factors that go into this, and um, I think I think something needs to be done. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, that's our debate. Let us know what you guys think about it. Uh, comment down in the comment section. And we'd love to hear your opinion on who won the debate. And with that, I believe we are moving to Adam Jackman with our week three quiz on baseball. Quiz is right here on the back of a 10th grade chem worksheet. <laughs> so uh, we've got the first baseball quiz of the season in week three. Very excited for this one. Um, and uh, why don't we just get right into it? So. Uh, the first question of this quiz, which major league player set the all-time rookie home run record for home runs in a season last year? Uh, Matt, we'll start off with you and then Lou and then Speen. The polar bear, Pete Alonzo. Pete Alonzo. Alonzo. You all got that one correct. Thank God. <laughs> He's very scared. Okay. Now, this one should be easy. Who owns the all-time home run record? Slew, Speen, and Matt. Barry Bonds. Hank Aaron? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it's, Matt, it's, Barry, it's Barry Bonds. It is Big Barry. Big Barry Bonds. So Speen falls behind. Thought that one would be pretty easy. No clue. Uh, and, <laughs> I thought uh, I if gonna, I went first, I would have no clue. <laughs> what do you think, Lou? I thought I was going to give Speen the answer there. He's going to hear Barry yeah. Bonds. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I did. It's a good but I, I mean, Hank I Aaron is, is second all time. I didn't want to steal. Steroids. Who knows, right? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, some people do consider Aaron the Wait, all so are we allowed to steal? Leader. Like, if Lewis says Bonds, and I think, like, you know what, he's probably right. Can I say Bonds even though I had that no clue? Or I mean, we would know. How would we know? I mean, we, you, yeah. Sure. So, I, th I think okay. in those questions, but, you know, maybe, like, in terms of, like, okay. questions where you have more variety, you can Fair enough. say. Um, so, okay, this is a multiple-choice question for number three. Which team did not make the playoffs last year? The Brewers, the Indians, or the Athletics? We'll go with Speen, Matt, and Slew. Um, I don't think the Indians made it. Okay, that's your answer? Yeah. Uh, Matt. Yeah, I think the Indians, because I, I remember, yeah. Lou? Indians? <laughs> We're all correct. The Indians yeah. did not make the playoffs last Who did the Brewers play? The Brewers played the, the world card. champion Nationals in the NL wild card. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, messed, and they could have yeah. beaten the Nationals in that game. They if, were close, uh, yeah. If Grisham had not messed up in right field. Um, <laughs> but so, yeah, the Brewers did make it, and then the Athletics played the Tampa Bay Rays in the wild card. They lost. Um, so, number four, moving on. 
Uh, this one a little bit tougher, but I think you guys can get it. Name one player in the Hall of Fame on the Mets. Um, I would prefer different players, but if you want to steal, you really could. Um, but I would, you know, encourage different players. So Matt, Slew, and Speech. Wait, so, okay. Who has ever played on the Mets. So it, was, it, was, oh, it doesn't need to okay. be a guy who has a Met okay. thing on his, on his cap. Gotcha. Okay, uh, Nolan Ryan. Okay. Tom Seaver. Okay. I was going to say Seaver as well. Okay, so yeah, that's you all. You all got it correct. Uh, My Seaver, backup was Piazza, though. Did Piazza make it? Piazza no? is in the P- Piazza say- and Seaver are the only two in the Hall of Fame with a Mets insignia on their on their cap. So what about Dow Strawberry? Did he make it? Dow Strawberry does not. Make he was it. my third option. I'm going to say him. I thought about saying. No, him. yeah, he made. No, you're, I gave you. I gave you the credit. So uh, Spine's the only one who's gotten anything wrong so far. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So now we're going. I didn't to, steal. Now we're going to the fifth question. This gets a little bit tougher. Uh, keeps getting tougher. Name the last five World Series champions. Uh, we're going with Slew, Speen, and Matt. Nationals. Correct, Mundo. Red Sox. Wait, I'm not supposed to say that. That's stupid. All right, so so just go the four after the Nationals. That was stupid. Okay. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Go the four. No, 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 I did that. That was me. Red okay. Sox. Yeah. Cubs. Yep. Astros. You need one more. Red Sox. Wait, didn't I just? You said you said three other teams. Red Sox, Cubs, Astros. Oh shoot. Um, you need one more. Red Sox. Uh, four. Red Sox. Three. Two. All right. All right, I'm pretty confident with this. It's Nationals, okay. Red Sox, Astros, Cubs, Royals. Okay. Yeah, uh, Nationals, Red Sox. Wait, sorry. I, I, I'm almost like working backwards in my head. Uh, yeah, Nationals, Red Sox, Astros, Cubs, um, Royals, because the Mets. Matt and Spine are correct. So, uh, Lou, uh, you, you fall into second place with Spine. Uh, you each have four apiece. Matt, still perfect with five. Um, as we go into the sixth question, I don't know about this one. This is one that's interesting to me. I'm, I'm going to see if you guys know. Um, I'm starting off with Speen, so you don't get the advantage here. What Oof. is an immaculate inning? Um, all strikes. Can you expand on that, or is that your the pitcher? Point? The pitcher throws all like nothing but strikes, and has so basically all strikeouts and no pitch other than so like no balls, no hits, no walks. No hit by pitch, just all strikes. Okay. Um, slew. Uh, strikeouts with nine nine pitches and oh no 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 an immaculate inning is a three pitch, uh, inning. Matt. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna say a three pitch inning. I was gonna say three outs. Three pitches. is the only one to get this right. It is a pitch. Hey. All strikes, nine strike, three strikeouts in one inning. Wow, I I expect Speed to get that wrong. But I've heard of that hockey, before. Hockey. No, I've yeah, heard of that before. Was, I wasn't uh, sure about it, but I heard of it. Yeah, it's uh, where a pitcher. Get the words out. Yeah, pitcher throws all nine strikes and strikes out every batter in one inning. There have only been eighty-six immaculate innings in Major League history. Just, when was is, the most recent one? Uh, I think it was Dellen Batanzas last year, or Wait, so it would have been before. an immaculate inning if it was eight pitches. No. Wow. Has to be all strikes, 
all strikeouts. Everyone's a strike. Uh, yeah, that's why it's so rare because it's, uh, you know, but it's happened more frequently now. But moving on to the next uh, question, question number seven. So you all guys are tied at five, I believe. Ooh. Or yes, yeah. yes, all tied at five. Okay, so name one player. Wait, I think thrown... Lewis has four. Oh, Lewis, yeah, Lewis has four. So Matt and Spean, you're tied at five. Um, name one player who has thrown a perfect game. We're going with Matt, Spean, and Slew. Different players? I would, I mean, prefer for the listener, for the variety, but, um, I mean, if you, if, you're th- if you already have a thought in your head and then the guy names it, then you're fine. I'm going to roll uh, Verlander. Okay. I think Felix Hernandez threw one for Mariners. Okay. Roy Holiday, rest in peace. Okay. Um, I believe Spean is the only one who got that one right. Uh, no, Felix, Holiday did. I, don't I think, think Holiday threw. I felt. I I don't remember. Holiday. Google check. I think he's. I think he's thrown one. I think he's thrown no a hitter. hitter in the playoffs. I don't think he threw a perfect game. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll oh, look that up. wait, you said perfect game. Yeah. Oh, I wasn't sure. I, I just remember Hernandez threw a hitter, no hitter. But I'll take it. <laughs> no, he's he's the last one to throw a perfect game. Verlander has thrown two no hitters, no perfect games. Uh, Felix Hernandez did throw a perfect game. Uh, Holiday threw a no hitter in the playoffs. That's the the second one to ever happen. But Holiday did not throw a perfect game. If you can no, find he threw that. a perfect game on May 29th against the Florida Marlins. Oh, they, then there you go, Lou. My bad. So Holiday did, but. Yeah, Justin Verlander, I think Let's he's only ill in the dead. <laughs> there you go. Uh, that's my bad. Uh, but yeah, Justin Verlander didn't. He's only thrown two no hitters, so no perfect games for JV. Um, we'll go to the eighth question. Uh, name four teams Bartolo Colon has played for. Uh, we'll go with uh, Slew, Spin, and Matt. Indians, Mets, Athletics, and wait, I said Indians. Mets, Athletics, and Angels. Okay. Um, Speen? That, that's what I was going to say as well. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. Uh, I guess I'll let that down. slide. Uh, Matt, you want to try some different teams, or are you going to – Okay, okay. I think I, know, I think I know more than four. It's the Mets. I'll get, okay, I'm, I'm going to – you know what? I'm going to change the question. We'll, 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 we'll go um, – we'll go – each team you name above four is, is a bonus. Okay, okay. Um. Mets and Yankees, Rangers, Indians. Um, I think he played for the Braves after the Mets, too. How many is that? That's five. I'm going to give you ten more seconds. All right, I'm just going to say six, five, four, three. Uh, the Dodgers? Two. All right, so we're, gonna, we're just redoing the question. So, so Matt – um chose his Louis. we're gonna go to you next uh name yeah. so four and that you so you got your four and yeah any, um, any extra I'll, I'll give you 10 seconds he played for the yankees he played for the rangers he played for the uh yeah yankees rangers and braves definitely okay okay i'm gonna say yankees rangers braves and i'm gonna take a shot i think at the cardinals yes okay um so, so you guys, uh, you guys each finished with five uh, for that five teams named. You all got five of his teams. Um, did not play for the Cardinals. Did not play for the Dodgers. Um, I think one of you guys said Brewers or something. Uh, Matt said Brewers. Yeah, I don't think he played for them either. So five. So each one, one extra point for you guys. 
Um, so what does that bring? I have seven and the rest of them have six. Okay. So we're going to question number nine. Um, when did the Mets win their World Series titles? What both years? Um, Speen, Matt, Slew. I think 69 and 84. Okay. Uh, Matt? 69, 86. And Lou? Ooh, 86, yeah. Yes, Speen trips up there. So everyone's tied at seven as we go into the final question oh, of yeah. the day. This one's an interesting one. I like this one. Um, what are the maximum number of strikeouts in one inning that a pitcher can record? We'll go with um, Matt, Speen, and Slew. Matt, Lou, Matt, Lou, and Speen. Uh, like strikes, like not counting foul balls? Strikeouts. An inning. Yes. What are the, what's the maximum? Um, I'm going to say seven. Uh, Slew is up next. Yeah, I'd have to go with seven, too. Wait, say the question again. I'm, I'm kind of confused. What is the maximum number of strikeouts one pitcher can record in an inning? That's, that's theoretically possible. You have well, an answer. Three. Three. Cause... You get three? Well, yeah. Okay. None of you are right. The answer is infinity. Uh, Wait, aren't there, there three outs? Infinity. Aren't there three outs? Yes, but There's a pitcher not... can record a drop third strike, and the guy gets on first base, continues the inning, and he records a strikeout but does not record an out. Yeah, I, I thought of that, but I thought, like, after the bases were loaded, like, someone would have to get out, but I guess – Yeah, that's what, that was my same thought process, the one that Matt just had. Yeah, so three They plus can four. keep coming around, so it's an infinite wow. process. So that was a real, little bit of a trick question. Um, but I like to get your, your thoughts about it. Seven, I, I, get your, I get your idea of it, but not correct, unfortunately. Um, so you're all tied at seven heading into the bonus, bonus round. That was um, like a bonus round. Who is the last player to win the triple crown in hitting? Miguel Cabrera. That's what I was going to say. Cabrera? Like, you all are correct. It's Miguel well, I Cabrera. I said it first. <laughs> uh, we're going we're gonna to go with the first guy to, to answer this next question. The next uh, question? I just <laughs> – Well, you didn't say that ahead of time. <laughs> well, we, 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 we didn't establish the rules. Uh, uh, you, didn't let me, you didn't let me finish, Lou. You, you said it right out of well, the You gate. should establish the rules before you said I was gonna, it. I was going to go in another order, but you, 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 you jumped You interrupted, the so he should be subtracted points. No, I'm gonna let, I'm gonna let him I should slide. get, I should get an extra strike if anything. Okay, who can name? This is I'm gonna. This is a numbers game. Who can name uh, more Mets opponents in the World Series? So who have the Mets played in every one of their World Series? Uh, and whoever names more gets it. Gets it uh, right. Um, and, Wait, how are we going? And like we're just gonna go. Uh, we're gonna go with. Um, you know what? I'm going to change this up. You, you each text me your answers because I'm not letting you each get an advantage. All right. I want this to end right now. Uh, I think we're in our 12th question, and we're pushing time a little bit. But I want to I finish this up, and we're going to see if you can name more. I'm going to give you 20 more seconds. So have that time as you will. The guys are getting in their answers, if you can see on the, uh, on the board. I don't know if we should we, – we, we might – no, we, we shouldn't change it to this format. I think for this question, it's okay, though. Um, but this is an interesting All right, one. I sent it. All right, so Matt has sent his answers. Spina has sent his answers. Spina automatically loses because Matt sent uh, more. 
Uh, I thought they only been to three. I mean, four. Uh, and Lou, ooh, this is interesting. No, Matt is the winner. I know my Mets. With the winning answers, they played the Orioles in 1969. They played the A's in 1973, which is a one that I didn't know that you would get, Matt, but a very good one. I got Red the Sox. order right, too. I got the order. Yeah, Red Sox in 1986, Yankees in 2000, and Royals in 2015. So that ends our quiz. Matt is the champion with uh, how many points did you get? Nine to everyone? Eight. Eight? I think it's eight, seven, seven. Eight, seven, seven. All right, so that's the finished standings. Um, for the quiz and so the finished standings on the day Matt wins the day um, well if I stole the Barry Bonds answer I would have won the quiz well you could have done <laughs> a lot of ifs there bud but uh so Matt you wins call yourself the day. a Mets fan you don't know the two years that they won the World Series then who You're yeah you said 84 that was a big slip up oh I'm too. a Yankee fan shut up uh, <laughs> All right, well, we'll go to the standings. So Matt finishes with 20 on the day. That's our highest individual day total this, thus far. So great day for Matt, 11 and 9. Um, Slew, you finish 16. Uh, 16. And then Speen, uh, you're one below. So you're 15. Um, then I finish with my, uh, my 9. Um, so those are the daily totals. We'll update you on the, uh, the final to the, the totals about week by week on the Instagram. Um, if you're following along there, please follow at all that talk pod um, on Instagram. And now we'll finish up with a, our interesting story of the day. Lewis, you have a great one. We all remember this moment, but why don't you take us through your individual experience with this? All right. When I was in sixth grade, my uncle brought me and my two cousins to the Thanksgiving night Jets versus Patriots game. I was super excited. Uh, I posted on my Instagram the day of a picture of Tom Brady getting sacked by Bart Scott, a former Jet linebacker. I don't know if you guys remember him. I remember him. I remember uh, him. But little did I know that I was going to be in attendance for one of the most infamous events in sports history, the butt fumble. <laughs> the game was a disaster from the start. The Patriots went ahead by a couple touchdowns pretty quickly. We were sitting way up in the nosebleeds. It was freezing outside. There were two drunk Patriot fans heckling us from the seats behind us. Meanwhile, I'm in sixth grade. My cousin is in fourth and second. So we're little kids, and they're, like, cursing at us and telling us that the Jets are the worst football team of all time. Uh, it was humiliating. Uh, one of the worst moments I've ever had as a Jets fan. I don't think I've ever been more embarrassed. And I, I really, I really <laughs> put my head down and just hope for the game to be over as soon as possible. That's so funny. Now, did you, Lou, you were all the way up there in the nosebleed. Did you actually, like, know that he ran into the guy's ass? Or did you, like... <laughs> no, I didn't. I just saw, like, I remember it was, I think, the play before we had a kick return. And our guy got tackled and fumbled it. And a Patriots guy, like, basically the ball, like, popped up. The Patriots guy caught it and ran into the end zone. I was yeah. like, oh, my. I was like that. And then the Jets got the ball back. I'm like, all right, now we have a possession. Let's go. Let's see if we can go down the field. And we fumble it again. And the Patriots get the ball. And I'm like, what? How did we just fumble it? And then they put it up on the screen. And I'm like, did he really just run into his own guy? Like, it looked like our offensive lineman just got pushed back. But no, it was just, oh, my God. It was a perfect example of the night, how the night was going. It was poor communication. Sanchez turned the wrong way. Or, or our running back ran the wrong way. He tried to turn around and make something of it. And he literally just gets clotheslined. I think it was like 
Brandon Moore was maybe our offensive lineman. I don't even remember. And <laughs> his feet taken out from under him. The ball goes up in the air. Oh, classic. There's nothing more Jets than that moment. I was, yeah. That's iconic. I can't think of anything more embarrassing in, like, NFL history than that moment. I mean, like – and just the situation, like, you see the scoreboard, like, it's, On like national 20, TV, too, on yeah, Thanksgiving Thursday, Day. Yeah, 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 Thursday, Thanksgiving. Uh, and, you know, they, and they ran it back for a touchdown. <laughs> yes, yes. Lou, Lou, that's a, that's a great moment, uh, but obviously not, not too much in, in the moment for you, obviously, as a Jets fan. But looking to brighter days with uh, another USC QB, Sammy D., um, at the reins of, uh, of the offense. But uh, that'll do it for our interesting story. So, Matt, you're the winner of the day. You take us out here on this uh, May 1st Friday. All right. You know, that's the second time I won the quiz. I'd like to throw that one out there. NHL and MLB, you know, I know my stuff. I know my Mets. So with that, uh, Chris, you, you put up a fight. Lewis, you put up a fight. But just letting you know, I know my New York Mets. And it was a great show. I thought we had some great opinions. The, the quiz was fantastic, Adam. Great job. Great Good job, Adam. That was a funny moment that I love hearing about because of the Jets. And uh, <laughs> with that, I'm going to peace out. Goodbye. See you, everybody. Peace. <laughs>